0: Hi, I'm Moon Unit Zappa and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in five songs with host Martin Popov. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Martin Popoff here back again for another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Simplecast, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. Can't believe I'm doing this episode. Kind of a weird episode. This is a laugh at myself episode. Uh, this is episode 179 called New Romantic, an Alternate Path. Um, so yeah, the the titles are getting a little long. I don't know how long I'm allowed to do these titles, but I actually thought of calling this New Romantic, then colon, right? New Romantic and Autobiography. But I thought that would be lying a little bit because it's really pushing the point here. But anyways, uh, an alternate path kind of makes sense here. So the idea is this, um... This whole new romantic business. This is a this is a movement of music in the UK. You know, I would say it is uh, it is most uh, sort of framed by the likes of the Human League or Human League, and uh, Duran Duran. Those are kind of the biggest ones. Uh, you know, other ones that you always see in a list of new romantic bands are Visage. Uh, Ultravox, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, ABC, Japan is kind of an early one. Depeche Mode early on, Soft Cell, Adam the Ants, uh, Adam and the Ants a little bit as well. Uh, Eurythmics, Culture Club definitely, Thompson Twins. So all of this music, I can safely say, I mean, almost all of this, ninety-five percent of this stuff, uh, I did not like. At all, I am not a new romantic. I never was into that whole thing. So the idea was, um, this was music that was um, characterized by high fashion synth pop. It was kind of a it, well, is it is it mainly a UK thing, and that's actually going to figure into our discussion here a little bit. And uh, and yeah, just uh, just a lot of music I didn't like. It was pop. It was synth pop. It was dancey. Um, not a lot of guitars. Definitely not heavy. You know, at this time, I'm into. You know, big time, the new wave of British heavy metal, somewhat post-punk as well, but let's say new wave of British heavy metal moving into thrash. Never was a Duran Duran fan, never liked any of that stuff. So I thought, um, I'm definitely not a new romantic, but I'm calling this an alternate path because when I think back to the eighties, this is more like a a reminiscing about the eighties episode. When I think back, I realized, man, I was, I was some sort of a weird, you know, part-time new romantic all along the way. Um... And, you know, I'm Canadian, uh, but, you know, I'm also North American. So this whole path that we're going to talk about here, um, well, actually, it does have quite a British component to it. But um, it's almost like forging your own path of being a new romantic or Subconsciously being a new romantic or unconsciously being a new romantic, Um, you know. And I must say, and on a wider sense, uh, these sorts of things can happen to a huge music fan because you're a huge music fan. So you will soak up things that you didn't think you were soaking up, sort of thing. So I thought this was kind of funny. This was more like, you know, reminiscing back and uh, and seeing that uh, you know I really liked a lot of this stuff that that is is new romantic adjacent. Um, but not exactly no romantic, and and some interesting concepts came up al- along the way when charting all this. Now, now, why why was I into this, or how did I get into this? So, I, so I go to university, I do an undergrad, then I do an MBA, right? So, so you figure, yeah, oh, I'm part of the elite now, you know. I've got an MBA, I've got a master's in business, and I go off and do this, um, you know, the most, the second most capitalist job you can do in the entire world. Uh, back then. Um, Basically, well, let's let's say third most, uh, you know, I I think I feel like I've talked about this before, but go down the categories of, you know, I was not a day trader. I didn't work on Wall Street. But um, if you were going to join a big corporation, the most capitalist corporation you could join out of school in MBA school in the 80s was IBM. Second most Xerox. I joined Xerox. I was in sales, right? Xerox sales was considered even more insane and cult like than IBM sales. Kraft was another company. Uh, Kraft or Nabisco. Uh, the, there were there were a number of these big companies that that you could join. My wife actually worked at Nabisco, right? Um, you know, first first she got on with uh, I think it was Shell Shell Oil, and then um, and then Nabisco, right? Um, but anyway, so so Xerox was about as insane as you could get uh, in terms of being capitalist. And, and and on a sales path, right? Um, and I remember I, I got out of MBA school, you know, so I, this was in Hamilton, and my first job was going to be in Vancouver with Xerox. I went and bought a uh, 1985 Toyota Supra, just a big, gorgeous, kind of bluish-purplish, you know, the flip-up headlights, six-cylinder, big, fat, summer, slick tires. Drove it across the country. I, I feel like I've told this story before, but literally... Um, you know uh a few hours to 2 3 hours away from uh, from actually getting home to where I grew up in Trail, BC. You know, this is actually in May or something. Hit a big snowstorm uh, going over the past from Creston. Uh, you know, I've been driving for 14 hours. Deers are darting out all in front of me. You're, you know, you, you're, you, have, you have white line fever. Not the cocaine type, the, the highway type, but you also have snow blind fever with, a, with the snow blowing in your face. And with those big summer slicks on this Supra, Um, I had to actually crawl up the pass very slowly and I couldn't even make it I had to turn around and stay the night in in Creston couldn't believe it like literally a couple hours from my destination on a three hour drive kind of thing Uh, anyway so had the car and this is the this is the funny part as well i mean i this this episode i could almost like subtitle it alex lifeson because i looked like alex lifeson back then i i never went as far as having any of the miami vice suits but i had the shirts and i had the haircut definitely um so so you know you could just think of this as the alex lifeson uh, episode and spoiler alert we're going to play some rush later on in this as well um But yeah, that's sort of the history of this new romantic thing. Um, Let's get started with our first track, and and we'll jump into some of the concepts around this. Take a listen to this. This is Roxy Music with more than this. Okay. So I would say this was the big, uh, the first big classic rock new romantic album. So Roxy music, obviously I, I love all their earlier stuff better than this, but then you get to the Avalon album. This was their big hit breakthrough album. And this is when, uh, you know, Brian Ferry with the suits and the smoky love songs, you know, became the huge, big new romantic. Um, so this first category is, is, uh, uh, from the seventies into the eighties. And, um, you know, I got to thinking, so he comes from the glam scene. Uh, the other kind of big new romantic uh, guy that sort of started out, out all this would be David Bowie circa Young Americans, I would say, that era. Um, and uh, and Roxy Music wasn't even really part of this uh, in a big way. I mean, a little bit. Brian Ferry more so. The other guys were a little weird and geeky and nerdy, but Brian Ferry all along was this. But you get into uh, Avalon and, uh, and more than this, Um, and the song Avalon and stuff, and this is the big romantic album sort of thing, and it's, it's a big hit, and then Brian Ferry goes on and does the same sort of thing as, as a solo artist, uh, a little bit, um, oh, let's see, I, 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 the years, I don't have the years handy, but there was Bride Strip Bear and, uh, Boys and Girls, Boys and Girls is after this, and Bette Noir is after this, right, those are the two, the two after this, um, you know, and and also to uh, to put a 70s bent on it with this first category, um, there's the idea of Steely Dan. So Steely Dan were also sort of the upscale, uh, you know, the upscale swanky. I was actually going to try to put swanky into the title here, swanky 80s or something like that. But Steely Dan was also the band that was, you know, the, the upscale uh, materialistic materialism or poking fun at materialism and consumerism uh, from California, from a California point of view um so yeah if if you if you fancied yourself a steely dan fan and i did a little bit as well so you know basically my uh, my new romantic tendencies uh were were pretty strong uh, on a on a co-basis with the likes of this roxy music avalon album and the likes of steely dan gaucho right um so the point is, is is, you felt more upscale. You felt more upper class when you were listening to this stuff. It made you feel rich, right? That was sort of the idea with this stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, just to, well, no, let's, let's talk about these as we move into our second one. Take a listen to this. This is our second selection today. This is China Crisis with Wishful Thinking. It's time. All right, so this is this is another one of these where I kind of always forget that I was into this band. Uh, this was a duo from Liverpool, and um, as the wiki says, I mean, they shared uh, an affection for Steely Dan, David Bowie, Brian Eno, Talking Heads. I wouldn't put Brian Eno and Talking Heads into this particularly. But, yeah, Gary Daly and, uh, and Eddie London – Um, and you know I even pulled out my albums here I can't believe I still have all these China Crisis albums but I don't even know what I have on CD but um, I have the Flaunt the Imperfection album that was my favorite one that was the blue and uh, silver one Um, this song we just played was from Working with Fire and Steel Possible Pop Songs Volume 2 that's a very new romantic type title Uh, came out October 31st 83 but I also have uh, What Price Paradise and their album covers were all very upscale and rich looking right um yeah here's my working with fire and steel possible pop songs volume two um and then let's see is this one earlier or later earlier yeah so uh Difficult shapes and passive rhythms. Some people think it's fun to entertain. There's kind of a Gang of Four type title for you. And I wanted to mention Gang of Four because Gang of Four actually became a bit of a new romantic band when they had the gal in the band. I can't remember her name, but I love all that stuff, all that later Gang of Four as well. So when they get a little more a little more rhythmic, a little more R and B, uh, less uh, thorny and post punk. I mean, my favorites are the f- are the first two, you know, Entertainment and uh, Hard or whatever. No, not Hard. What's the other one called? Anyways, the first two, and then and then later on, still good stuff. Um, let's see, China Crisis, uh, Diary of a Hollow Horse is another one that I have here, 1989. So I, I've I've like five full length albums by these guys, and I I've kind of even forgot about them. But essentially, what they were were a later uh, kind of English version of uh, of Steely Dan, in a way. Um, but also, uh, they definitely had some of the, the standard New Romantic thing as part of what they do. I also wanted to mention that The Damned also kind of went in this direction. Um, you know, we, we can talk about your Phantasmagoria and anything era of The Damned as a... Uh, as goth but you could also talk about it as new romantic goth because they were definitely you know high fashion dressed up in the in the frilly you know the the, the black coats with the uh, the frilly sleeves and and the hair was really done up really nice and stuff so um and I I also looked and saw that um there's actually uh when I you know I looked up one big long list of uh, of new romantic bands and as you start getting further down the list you start seeing all the goth bands show up. So goth was kind of part of this thing uh as well. Anything that dressed up. I mean it it's funny. I I also uh noticed that whole um you know, there's uh, there's the uh, remember. Well, I don't know what you would call them, but those those kind of like fancy 17th century, 18th century, whatever English, uh, you know, fancy upper class wear. Um, you know, you you actually uh, saw that with uh, Eric Crap Crapton. There's uh, there's a. There's a Freudian slip for you Eric Clapton uh, in The Cream but also um, very distinctly you saw them with The Kinks but also on Deep Purple Mark 1 and you know that even that wear went through the new romantic era and it even showed up in the hair metal era I, I can think of like Britney Fox and some of those bands so so there was you know anytime you saw anybody get really into fashion and be upscale it it kind of has a has a new romantic uh, bent to it so uh There you go. That's our number two. Uh, This episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And Now, you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are now seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to History and 5 Songs with Martin Popoff listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs. That's better, H E L slash five songs. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, so let's move on to our third selection here. This is Rush with Big Money. Okay, well we talked about Alex Lifeson earlier and uh, and basically, you know, I I have this uh, affinity for Alex Lifeson as well because he was born in Fernie BC and I was born in Trail BC, which are are two kind of mining towns, uh, you know, smelter, mining, whatever, uh, very close to each other in BC. You know, the 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 ethnic family and upbringing sort of thing. Um but uh but it's funny. Yeah, I again, you know, uh, I I wanted to play Rush because uh they famously, notoriously went through their Miami Vice suits period, right? Uh, Alex being, you know, the, the the closest to this. But, you know, Neil's hair, Getty's hair, uh, but definitely Alex, he, he seemed made for this. He looked like a Miami Vice kind of guy. Um, so I wanted to play some Rush because during this Power Windows Hold Your Fire era, they definitely felt like they were channeling their inner new romantic. They were, you know, a lot of synthesizers and stuff like that. But the other funny thing about this is, is um you know big money uh being this opening track on Power Windows and me being in university and MBA school at that time and stuff the title big money there was this um there was definitely this uh this materialism you think of Duran Duran on the on the yachts or speed boats or whatever they are um there definitely was a materialism upscale thing about this and big money you know it, with with Rush, uh, you know, you're you're actually getting you're actually getting the pro materialism sort of thing, pro capitalism thing out of this, and maybe there even actually deserves to be a little bit of that because Neil with his whole Ayn Rand, a- Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand thing, um, but um, it it actually feels more like when like the Republicans co opt Born in the USA, and and then Bruce says no no no, you you're not supposed to you know you're you're getting the message wrong sort of thing, but I wanted to play this because. This idea of the materialism and the big, you know, the big machine, the big money sort of thing, you know... Um David Bowie now fits in this again so now it's the 80s and David Bowie's got the big suits on right uh, and he's looking very new romantic uh, he's fitting right into that thing now we know he kind of kind of jumps on trends or gets into trends so the whole let's dance you know tonight never let me down period uh, he definitely has a very new romantic vibe going on he's got his hair cut short and it's it's uh, you know dyed blonde um, but you know he does dancing with the big boys you know the co-iggy pop thing he does that on tonight so we've got big money dancing with the big boys um, we've got yes with big generators so they're part of this as well um, you know again it's about being part of the big machine and being rich and upscale and upper class and all this so so you start getting that with a blinding sheen of 90120. Five. Again, here we go. Uh, and But then definitely into Big Generator where you know the whole backstory and the album's bloated and the whole thing. And then you've got Peter Gabriel with Big Time. So he's part of this as well. He's looking a, a little dressed up on the So album. And uh, and you get a little bit of funk and stuff going in there as well. So he's being kind of part of that world. But yeah, you get you get big time, and and here we are again. This this whole thing about um you know the eighties, the me generation, they called it right, I think as well. Um, but just this whole this whole glamour thing. I don't think I've said the word glamour yet, have I? Uh, in this episode, yeah. So this whole glamour thing, this whole this whole being a world beater, getting out there, you know, queen, I want it all, uh, all that sort of thing. So yeah, big time dancing with the big boys, big generator, big money. There we go. Um, And this category is a little bit uh, uh, framed around big, but it's also framed around um, the 70s guys reinventing themselves as a sort of quasi alternate path, new romantic situation. All right, let's listen to our fourth selection here. This is Terrence Trent Darby with Wishing Well. Yeah! Okay. So this is, a, this is another one where, uh, autobiographical alternate path, uh, Terrence Trent Darby, kind of a crazy story here. This guy was absolutely huge in his day. Um, this was off of, uh, the introducing the hard line, according, according to Terrence Trent Darby, I think it went four times platinum. Uh, my notes, sorry, I almost put too much stuff in my notes here, but, but yeah, so he, he was, uh, he was an American guy. He was like a, a minor boxing champ, then he joined the army, then he went AWOL, and then I think he set up shop in London. So he always felt like this sort of London-American, you know, cosmopolitan guy. Uh, and essentially this this album is like a masterpiece of this whole um, everything but the kitchen sink, um, you know, funk R&B thing. He, he, he essentially was... Um, you know, for for somebody who wanted to like Prince and and only briefly and and on a surface level, you know, fell for the whole Purple Rain thing or you know bought the drank the Kool Aid uh, as it were, you know that's that's also you think of him on that bike and what he's dressed up as like as like he's he's essentially uh, looking like a new romantic, but he's coming from that funk R and B world, so he's he's there. Um, but Terence Trent D'Arby felt like he was like. Uh, my version of Prince and a better version of Prince. And he was an absolute musical genius. Um, and this album was super huge. And, you know, he was quoted, he, he apparently rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And there was this one quote where he said, you know, my album is the most important album in rock since uh, the Beatles, Sergeant Pepper. And, and, you know, that went out there and, uh, and the backlash started. And then he did a second album that was called neither fish nor Fowl*. Um, Oh, sorry. Neither fish nor flesh, nineteen eighty nine, and it was super, super expensive uh, to to make. I, I can't remember what happened, but I, there's something about uh, this. Was this the album where there's the the talk about? putting the piano in the swimming pool or something. I don't know. Maybe that's something else. But anyways, this was a very big, even bigger, even more expensive, even weirder album, and it didn't do as well uh, as the first one. Um, He eventually had Symphony or Damn, 1993. I thought that was a great album as well. Um, So my theme here is a little bit getting into this, uh, this this funk and R&B world and feeling like that's a new romantic thing or a way to you know part of this part of the wider thing of this of this whole new romantic fashion materialism thing is is uh you know maybe maybe me personally i'll, I'll frame it that way but i'm coming from a, a metal world right i'm still a raging metalhead punk alternative whatever through all this period and like i say this this is this is almost like peripheral for me this isn't even stuff i was super into right um but part of it is uh part of getting into this is saying oh i, I want to participate in the wider world i want to be part of the world part of what other people listen to part of what even god forbid girls want to listen to right so the theme here with our fourth selection is uh this african American music black music whatever you want to call it funk r b um and and that that is where um like i say the prince side of it but also i was even into the charday stuff you know charday Diamond life 1984 four times platinum promise 1985 four times platinum um and that leads to other of these female sort of upscale feeling uh you know uh artists like suzanne vega solitude standing 1987 went platinum and that leads to jane Sibbery, uh you know loved jane Sib uh uh, Sibbery. uh she's actually from canada but it was also like this very upscale stuff uh, a little bit dancier than kate bush kate bush you know, figures and feels part of this as well a little bit, uh, and then down the funk R&B end of it as well. You know, I remember you know having a dalliance with NXS a little bit, like like thinking, oh, you know, this is kind of I, I I feel I feel like a new romantic, I feel like a dancing guy, I feel upscale listening to NXX, NXS, inXS and you know, and and then a lot of these other bands I never really got into, like Simple Minds. I still barely know anything about Simple Minds, and, and like I say, never got into Duran Duran at all. Um, but yeah, so. So um you should check out this Terrence Trent Darby stuff and his story. Uh he basically uh completely fell out of favor. You know, at one point okay, so get this. Uh Darby legally changed his name to Sananda Metria on October 4th, 2001, uh explaining Terrence Trent Darby was dead. He watched his suffering as he died a noble death. So he's he's you know quite a yeah uh, um an eccentric guy. By the way, um Jane Sibbery even changed her name for a while there. What was she called? Was she called Sia? Something like that. Um, Anyways, um, yeah, so so, uh, this guy is one of these musical geniuses, outsiders, had some absolutely massive success with those early albums. Uh, They are masterful, you know, the way people talk about your Jellyfish albums or, you know, these super, super complicated uh, well-recorded gorgeous albums. His voice is really cool as well. Uh, But yeah, so he is another alternate path on this new romantic uh, sort of thing for me. All right, let's move on to our fifth selection here. Uh, This gets even stranger here, uh, tying this to new romantics, but let's try it. Uh, This is the Dell Lords with Judas Kit let man. All right, so this is from Based on a True Story, 1988, the Dell Lords, a New York band led by Scott Kempner from the Dictators. Um, so what I'm calling this here is upscale cowpunk. Uh, cowpunk is this whole idea of this, um, you know, tied in a little bit with new country, but cowpunk was was more like country mixed with punk. You could even You could put meat puppets in there. You could put X in there, but at the upscale end of it, um, are these things like, like the Dell Lords? And this comes to me, uh, you know, honestly, um, from my, my great love of Joe Eli all through the seventies and early eighties. I, I still have all those albums, love the early Joe Eli stuff. Um, so that's your roots rock, your folk, your country, your, your your cow punk, maybe your upscale cow punk. And I think the biggest, uh, progenitor of this upscale cow punk thing, and this was the song I was going to play, uh, Chris Isaac, Wicked Game, right? From Heart Shaped World, 1989, massive hit. This guy had a bunch of albums that did really well, but again, he fits in this whole thing and it's the most upscale because this is, this is that really twangy and smoky, almost like he's almost like the Brian Ferry of, of cow punk. Um, and uh, and of course, this is a super famous song because it was used in the uh, the Laura Dern, Nick Cage movie Wild. What is it, Wild at Heart? Yeah, I guess that's what it's called, Wild at Heart. Uh, and used in a lot of movies as well. Um, but but so he and he and he, you know, he's good looking guy. This whole fashion sense, he looks like it looks like a, a model, right? Um, so so he kind of feels like I. So I got into this whole cowpunk and upscale country western roots rock thing there was a little bit of a bubble a little bit of a movement at a time about this stuff and uh you can include in here the likes of long riders jason and the scorchers um you know you look at those guys and uh you know they they dressed a little upscale as country guys right um and then up in canada we had a band called northern pikes um who who fit into all this and i bought the Bought the Kool-Aid, drank the Kool-Aid on the Northern Pikes. I was I was really into those albums, and they were very meticulously recorded and well behaved and polite. And they're almost like the China Crisis of uh, of Cowpunk, I suppose. Um, Charlie Sexton kind of fits in here as well. Rubber Rodeo, Um, you know. And and I almost thought, you know, what does Wicked Game lead to? Well, to me, it kind of leads to John Waite with Missing You. So he feels almost again like an American alternate path. Of this whole new romantic idea as well um so there you go um those are my uh, th- that's my that's my strange autobiography my flirtations with uh new romantic but done my way you know the whole frank i was actually going to put my way into the title as well but um uh, but i like this an alternate path this is almost like the path that um well you know specifically it's the path that a metalhead who is into a lot of music and a lot of types of music, um, the the only way I was going to get into this stuff because yeah, I can I can firmly say that I'm I am not a new romantic fan. But look at all these different ways that one, uh, without knowing it, can amass quite a new romantic, uh, an alternate version of a uh, new romantic direction. All right. Um, that is our episode. If you like the show and want to support future episodes, please go to kofi. rhymes with no fee. dot com uh, slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint. Um, on that front, this week I would like to thank Joe Beck to Bel Air Expediting, Daniel Budnick, very generous Daniel. Thank you very much. David Fisher, Alexander uh, Yankee, Yankee, um, Darren Kasabowski, Monty Olson. Uh, Augustin Garcia de Paredes Steve Polari and John Stuckey um, yeah I just got in uh, m- one of my favorite proudest moments uh, in a book the Led Zeppelin Um I haven't even opened the boxes yet, but that is now back in print. Uh, All the albums, all the songs, expanded edition. Uh, So got those in. You can go to martinpopoff.com. There are the PayPal buttons there for that. Of course, still got some of the deal left, two boxes of that left. Um, And then I got the Damned and the Alice Coopers. And the other thing is uh, those little collector cards that I've been doing of those... um, drawings i've been doing i got the latest set of 27 in um so if you're interested in that just uh, get a hold of me through facebook facebook messenger or email me Um, you can see what those look like over at the artpal.ca martin popoff gallery site thingy there um but yeah those are just little cards and on the back it's the explanation of what the gig is from and all that kind of stuff there you go um yeah your um you know your homework for this episode i would say more than anything is uh and i think i'm gonna play some right now um go go revisit that whole early days terrence trent darby catalog pretty darn interesting music there if you are a musicologist or music nerd like i am talk to you later at R&R Archaeology.